Welcome back to Growth Colony, Australia's B2B growth podcast. I'm Alex Hipwell with XGrowth, your co-host for this podcast, where you'll hear from B2B executives and sales and marketing roles on the newest and most effective strategies and tactics in the B2B space. Now, let's dive right into this episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another podcast. I'm Shaheen Hoda with XGrowth, and today I'm talking to Andrea Dixon, marketing director for APAC at DocuSign about the importance of lead scoring and why the topic got escalated multiple folds at DocuSign right when we started to feel the impact of COVID in the market. On that note, let's dive in. Andrea, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. Um, Now, Andrea, for some who might not be familiar with yourself or DocuSign, which is rare, but let's say there might be some people who are not familiar with, with DocuSign. Can you give us a quick background and intro? Absolutely. So we are, I guess, most most commonly known for our electronic signature product, um, but we, I guess, are an agreement cloud company. So we try to make the world more agreeable by making it easier to do business with, easier to do business for, and easier on the environment. All right. And, and tell us a little about yourself. Sure. So, well, I've been at DocuSign now just over 18 months uh, as head of marketing for the APAC region. Uh, it's exciting time to be at DocuSign, that's for sure. There's been incredible amount of growth. Um, my background is in technology marketing. I have 15 plus years in, in SaaS, SaaS-based uh, companies managing marketing for, for the APAC region. So, um, yeah, great time to be at DocuSign. We've seen incredible growth, which I'm sure we'll go into. No, absolutely. A big fan of DocuSign right here. Um, but I'd love to dig a little bit deeper into, you know, what has been happening at DocuSign in the past few months, especially from the sales and marketing perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we've had an incredible few months. Uh, we've seen a huge acceleration in demand as a result of, I guess, the COVID-19 pandemic, which is obviously horrible circumstances. And I guess we're focusing on how we can uh, make sure that we help our customers because there's been a huge amount of demand from customers, for example, in financial services, as well as healthcare. So how we're helping to to prioritize their needs and and work with them. Uh, So lots, I guess, from a sales and marketing perspective that's that's gone on to to adapt to these new circumstances that we're working in. As I'm sure you would imagine, we are helping businesses to try to still get business done with their agreements now that we can't meet face-to-face and rely on pen and paper to to sign agreements. So there's been a huge amount of demand as a result. So having to, um, I guess, prioritise those customers has been one of the biggest challenges that we've been working through recently to, to make sure that they get the support that they need. I can imagine. Have you experienced like you all of a sudden are dealing with customers that you never used to deal with before? Like, you know, people who are all about the paper and printing and, you know, having that that physical signature on a piece of paper. And then all of a sudden they're like, okay, I guess I can't do that anymore. And mm-hmm. and being a completely different persona than than the previous people that you had to deal with? Yeah, we are seeing some of that, I guess, in some of those industries like healthcare that have relied on pen and paper processes and and also, um, I guess, the legal system 
Recently, there's been changes around the legislation of which documents can get electronically signed. So we've been having to keep one, one step ahead of that and work with, I guess, you know, legal teams and um, on how they can now digitise a lot of those traditional processes. Yeah, lots of examples that have, I guess, popped out of the woodwork. And one example, I guess, is, is the JobKeeper form. We worked with um, Star, the Star Group in Sydney to, to send out and, and get those JobKeeper forms signed and completed. So understanding all those different use cases and as much as, I guess, those, those agreements have all, always existed, they haven't always been digitised. So I guess we're uncovering new agreement processes all the time and, and how we can work with our customers to, um, to yeah, remove pen and paper from some of those more traditional processes. It's so interesting when you get to dig deep into a certain area where it might not be kind of evident and invisible to the rest of us, but you have such such amazing experience in there. I mean, you know, I had the opportunity to, to talk to, to the team at Citrix. Um, and for, you know, those who are not familiar, they, they're all about virtualization and work from home. And they have a different perspective on what happened. Well, different perspective on how COVID has impacted our society. And it's so cool to to hear this insight from yourself as well in terms of managing documents and, and what, what impact COVID has had on that. Now, let's go back to marketing at DocuSign in these times. Now, one of the things that has become a little bit more uh, important or stronger point of focus has become the lead scoring, right? Mm, right. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, I guess with the acceleration of people digitizing their processes, we've seen a huge volume of inbound demand, which is a great thing as a marketer, right? But it's how, how we can, I guess, help not inundate our, our business development team with just passing all those leads across. So we've always used lead scoring and we had, I guess, a lower threshold. So with, I guess, when COVID hit and people realized the need to digitize their processes we saw we saw from april at a huge spike so we just couldn't get to the volume of leads so we had to look at okay what is what are the thresholds and how do we increase this so we went from so our lead score is based on a range of zero to 100 so anything previously that scored above 31 was passed to our business development team but since april we've increased that threshold to 51 plus so the beauty in that is that the quality that we're passing over is is much higher, and we've seen an increased conversion rate from from MQL to SQL, so sales qualified lead, and inc- improved conversion from SQL to SQO, so sales qualified opportunity. So that's been great. Um, there's also, I guess, as part of that process, been a, a need to really re or educate a business development team because. Traditionally, they would look at lead source and use a lot of bias, I guess, in determining which was the best lead source that they wanted to to go after. So the the wonderful thing about a lead score is it takes that bias out and it it focuses them on the accounts and the contacts that have the highest propensity to buy, so that it um, they can spend their time more efficiently or more effectively following up those leads. But there's been a lot of work to refine that process just in the last few months because lots of changes have taken place. Yeah, right. Now, 
Tell us a little bit about the the model itself. Like, uh, how does how does lead scoring work? At um, I mean, m- maybe we can we can talk a little bit about it before uh, COVID. How it how mm-hmm. it looked like the 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 model. Of course, I'm guessing some of the stuff we might not be able to share. But what we can share, how did it look like before the the pandemic? Mm-hmm. So we've always, I guess, had this lead score of zero to one hundred. And before my time at, at DocuSign, we had the I know there's lots of different lead scoring models out there. There's the matrix of A1 to D4, which I've used in previous companies. And I know DocuSign previously had that, but we moved a couple of years ago to this score of 1 to 100 because it was just much simpler for sales to understand that the higher the number, the higher propensity to buy. Uh, the lower <laughs> the number, the lower the propensity to buy. So that keeps it simple. So our, prof- our score is split into two. There's the profile score. Uh, and the behavioural score. So what we've been doing in recent times is digging into what makes up that score. And there's a lot of, I guess, need to constantly refine this is what we're finding. So uh, we score based on title, on employee count, company domain or country, like a lot of, I guess, attributes of that account and that contact. But then we've got the the profiling or the behavioural side, which we have a score of 50 for each uh, and the, the behavioural data is made up of uh, web pages. So we score pages differently. For example, if someone looks at our pricing page on our website, there's, there's higher intent there. So we score that page higher. If someone looks at a blog post, for example, we might still score them, but much lower. Things like events or if they download content, that obviously also scores. And we map this out in a it's a spreadsheet. It's got different tabs for, for all the different profile components and then all the behavioural components, and we assign a score to each of those attributes. Uh, so that, as I said, like it, it needs constant refinement and what we've seen, I guess, pre-COVID and post-COVID is that a lot of the, for example, industries that were once uh, great, great prospects for us, we think of travel and hospitality, but there's lots of agreements done, they're not doing, you know, as great so now. So, but we've seen a huge increase in demand from um, the likes of, you know, financial services and uh, healthcare. So, we need to adjust our score to to take those things into consideration. That a an account that has a higher propensity to buy now looks very different to what it did in a pre-COVID world. Uh, so, we're continuing to make those adjustments, and I think we will need to continue to do that and really closely monitor how we're scoring to make sure. We do um, continue to use it what it's intended for and pass quality leads to sales that have the highest propensity to buy. Hey, it's Alex from X-Growth. I just wanted to take a moment to tell you about the Growth Colony Slack channel. Do you ever find yourself stuck with a B2B problem? Need a second opinion on your next campaign? Or looking for some feedback on that piece of MarTech you're thinking to purchase? Well, That's why we created the Growth Colony Slack channel. This Slack channel is like a small dinner party where you get to meet and mingle with B2B professionals, hear what others are doing and keep up to date with the latest B2B trends and news. You'll also get access to a range of exclusive content from our podcasts, webinars and events. The best thing about it, it's all free. If this sounds interesting, head over to growthcolony.org forward slash slack and sign up. That's growthcolony.org forward slash slack.
how do you deal with attribution at uh, at DocuSign? Attribution is interesting. So we, I guess, depending on the activity, look at either first touch or last touch. And it's not perfect by any means. <laughs> um, I guess first touch for something like uh, our paid social or content syndication. And last touch if we look at something like um, our free trial or, or um, a webinar, they might, someone might have attended an event or a webinar. Uh, so we look at that, but I guess the, the downside of that is we know that there's, there's multiple touches that make up a prospect or for them to go from zero knowledge of your company to, to close and to become a customer. I saw there was a recent stat that Gartner shared that was there's an average of 24 interactions for any B2B brand to close a, to close a deal. So attribution, I think, is, is something we need to look closely at because I think there's a common misconception that marketing, it's just for sales, I think, in particular, to look at first touch or last touch. But there's so much more that goes on in between <laughs> that we really need to look at and make sure that we've got the analytics and the data to, to dig in to see what really is converting at the highest rate. Um, and I think, we don't, yeah, we don't have that model perfected, but are continually making refinements to that. Yeah, attribution is always a pain in the neck, and yeah. uh, and and hard to get sorted. Yeah, look, it's, and it's tricky. And I think what we're trying to do with the lead score is to remove that bias because sales has historically looked at, I guess, those different attributes or the different activities that have led to this lead being passed their way. And you know, they're not always the best judge of that. And I think the lead score removes that bias of saying, okay, someone might have done a free trial, but have you looked at, you know, their profile and have you looked at a title and, their, you know, seniority in that company and they might maybe a decision maker. So that's where we need to trust in the lead score more. And I think over time it's it's earning that trust and continuing to refine our lead scoring model builds that trust. Right. Have you, have you like changed in a way, have you changed the way you communicate with the salespeople so that you remove that bias? Maybe you would, you know, give them like less information or have you changed anything over, mm. you know, over the past 18 months in terms of what you tell them of, about a lead when you pass it to them? Yeah, we've done a lot of enablement recently and we did a session just the other week on, on lead scoring and just what makes up a lead score. and. Uh, we're actually trying to give them more information about these are the different lead sources that are, you know, the highest volume of leads are coming from these sources, but trying to educate them on it rather than remove that information. And also we did an enablement session on where to go use Aliqua, for example, so where to look in profiler at the behavioural data and what, what has made up that lead score and why this contact has a higher propensity to buy or why they've scored higher so that the sales team can then have a more sophisticated conversation specific to that buyer's need. So there's still more education to be done, but I think enabling them um, and helping them understand that model and where to find that data is, is helpful for everyone. Interesting. Interesting. Now, I have a question around finding kind of golden nuggets in lead scoring lead scoring models right yeah. have you in the process of and, and you mentioned it's a, it's a process that keeps getting improved and improve your your lead scoring model has there been instances where you and the team have all of a sudden came across a, a an item or a, a kind of like an event that fires 
that you hadn't previously taken into consideration. But by looking at it, notice that that has a massive impact in terms of the decision of or showing the intent of the person who is uh, interacting with your with your assets online or offline. Has there been something that that you all of a sudden wasn't as straightforward at the beginning, but later on when you dug, when you started digging through the details, you noticed that that was a very important component and incorporated in your uh, lead scoring model? Uh, I guess a recent example that came out of the enablement session that we did was feedback from our business development team that some, they, they had to share us examples because it's very hard to just look at a lead and, and understand why might have scored incorrectly so we've been asking them to share different examples of leads that have come to them that they don't feel is the, the right fit uh, and what we've realized is that there were some some campaigns that were sent to our customers directing them to support pages and they were already an existing customer so not necessarily a lead and yet those pages were scoring so they'd visit we'd, we'd do these campaigns we'd have a whole bunch of our customers click on these support pages on our website and they were adding to their, their behavioural score and they were coming to our business development team as leads. So we've since made some adjustments and negatively scored those pages because we don't want them to be coming through as MQLs. Uh, and there's been a few examples of different pages on our website that we were giving a score to that we probably shouldn't have been. So I think that that's where it is in this evolving process. It's not, you can't set and forget a lead score. Um, you need to constantly look at the pages and, and also I think working in partnership with sales to get the feedback of where they feel that an MQL might not necessarily be or shouldn't deserve as high a score as, it, as it's received. Yeah, because that's always the issue between sales and marketing, right? The leads yeah. are not qualified enough and, yeah. uh, and the sales doesn't follow up on time. Those are the, mm -hmm. uh, those are two <laughs> weapons of the, the sales and the marketing team that they throw at each other. Um, so that's that's very interesting that that collaboration is there. Is there like a constant loop of feedback that that you've built in order to capture that information, or is it you know is more like ad hoc? Hey, we just want some feedback. Can you tell us what you're finding? Mm, we've really just started that process recently, I guess, because we are starting to trust in our lead score a lot more. So we have a dedicated Slack channel where any of our business development team can give us, like send us this, the Salesforce link to the to the lead that they don't feel is, is scored correctly so that we can look into that. We then just track it in a Google, a Google sheet so that we can keep a log and look into those individual examples. And I think there's, there's a way to go and it's just having them bought into that process that we are continually looking to make those refinements helps to build trust. And it helps to improve the lead score and the outcome for everybody. So, um, yeah, we definitely want them bought in and contributing to that. Right, right, right. I want to talk about tools, Andrea. Mm. Um, give us a little bit of an understanding of what is the kind of tool stack that you and the team are using in order to further mature the um, the lead scoring process, you know, are there enrichment tools, um, you know, the marketing automation? What what does that what does that tech stack look like? Mm, great question. Um, so Eloqua, I, I used to work at Oracle's so marketing Eloqua, and now we're using it, and I think it's a great tool for uh, for lead scoring. That is, I guess, what we 
We use um, that integrates with Salesforce, our CRM system. Uh, we also use a tool Lean Data for our lead routing, which again we're con continually looking at how we can refine our lead routing rules to make sure that the leads are directed to the most appropriate person. What else? We use Google Docs a lot, <laughs> like I said, just for tracking <laughs> and Slack, um, just for communicating. Um, but Google Docs just for tracking. As I said, our lead scoring model is actually built out in Google Sheets. So we've got a tab for each each of the criteria for our with profile and behavioural scores uh, where we assign points to each of those. For starting out looking at lead scoring, that would be my advice is to look at, um, is to build it out in a spreadsheet to look at, you know, what are the different criteria that you would want to uh, to track and measure and score? And again, what are the what are the activities that you want to, to score more highly? So is it an event? Is it content download? For us, it's we score a free trial the highest because there's great intent data there. Um, but, yeah, Google Sheets. <laughs> Google Sheet, it is. It sounds like a uh, potential Martech, uh, Martech idea over there to... Uh, to 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 build a product around it, but um, <laughs> but no, that's 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 cool that uh, there's there's such a, rel a strong reliance on on good old uh, Excel files, and um, but but Aloka obviously does a does a great job as well. Now yeah. you touched on this a little bit, Andrea, but um, is there anything else that that any other advice that you would give to a marketer who wants to start with lead scoring at their company? Mm. Yeah, well, as I said, I think looking at starting at who is your ideal customer. So what are what are their attributes? What 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 are their titles, industries that they belong to? Um, whether you've done any, I guess, persona work before. I think looking at who is your ideal buying persona, that will help you to identify what that ideal profile lead score looks like. And then also looking at um you know, you could look at historical data of which campaigns have performed the best to know which, uh, how you should weight your criteria for the behavioural um, piece of the lead score. So I think it's, yes, the MarTech, is, you know, can can get you there, but I think I would advise to, to sort of not start there, but start with the basics and, and build it out in a Google sheet or an Excel sheet of just what those different criteria are and then assign a score and, and socialise that with sales. They need to be brought into this. Uh, so it's important that they have an input, have input into that. Very true. Otherwise, I mean, they would they would just not bother with the leads, right? And we'll yeah. go back in yeah. in square one the uh, the classic issue of of sales and marketing at each other's throats. Yeah. Before we wrap up, we we kind of I've, I've asked a lot of questions, but before we wrap up, is there anything around lead scoring, attribution, and uh, and everything that we talked about that you think I didn't ask that I should have that, or that you want to bring up? No, I think we covered it all. I guess the, the thing I'd add is just that uh, I guess what I love about lead scoring is that it really is that science of the role of marketing. What I love about marketing is that it really combines the art and the science. And I think lead scoring is a, is a great way to get really granular on just what you want um, those profiles to look like. And it, it does genuinely help move the needle on your demand strategy and help help you to then know who your ideal customer is to attract more lookalike leads. Um, so, yeah, I'm a huge fan. That's a good point. Actually, on that point, Andrea, do you think there are business models that in the B2B space that lead scoring might not be a good solution for? 
Honestly, no. I, I think that in so, any shape or form that they're, I think, you know, even if it's just looking at a most sort of basic level, I, I really think that any B2B business can benefit from this. That sounds good. Sounds good. Well, thank you very much for that. Now, if anyone wants to know more about DocuSign about, or have more questions, what will be the best way for them to find out more? Check out our website, docusign.com.au. Uh, and feel free to yeah, get in touch if there's any questions. Sounds good. Well, Andrea, thank you so much. I genuinely enjoyed this conversation. Very enlightening. Uh, always lead scoring is a, is a is an interesting and a hot topic, especially these days. So thank you very much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's Alex again from X Growth. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode. If you enjoyed it, we'd love it if you take a moment to rate us on Apple Podcasts. It would really help get the word out to other B2B professionals. If you're hungry for more B2B content, make sure to join our Slack channel at growthcolony.org forward slash Slack, where we share the latest B2B news tactics, tips, and chat about problems we're facing in the B2B space and find solutions together. That's growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you in the next episode.